0: It is my hope that through these episodes, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear real stories from real leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy this series as together, we hear how they're making their world better. Well, my guest today is Tom Alter. He is the Vice President of Editorial Development for the PGA Tour. Now, you may be wondering, why is the PGA Tour being interviewed on a nonprofit leadership podcast? Well, I think you're going to be really surprised today by how much money the PGA Tour has generated over several years now and gives to charitable organizations. In fact, you'll be astounded. I was when I first heard the number and realized all that they're doing for local communities. And so I think you're gonna really enjoy today's show and you'll be surprised how much the PGA Tour is really doing to support our local nonprofits. Enjoy today's show. Tom Alter is my guest today. Tom, thanks for calling in from Florida today. It's great to have you on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Well, I think most people like me, when they first hear of the PGA Tour, they think golfers making lots and lots of money. Most people don't put PGA Tour and charity in the same sentence. And yet I've just been learning recently that the PGA Tour and its tournaments generated more than $190 million. Yeah, that's million, $190 million for charitable causes in just 2018. I mean, that's an incredible number. So maybe start out today by talking about the charity arm of the PGA Tour. How does it work?
1: Well, we're proud of the fact that uh, we have some of the best athletes in the world playing on the PGA Tour and that the PGA Tour is the number one golf tour. And Players from all over the globe are coming. We have like 75 different players from around the, uh, the world uh, representing 25 different countries playing on the PGA Tour. This is the place to be. But the way, and they're well compensated if they play well. Uh, we are on meritocracy. If you play well, you get paid well, and if you don't play well, then you get paid nothing. So there's no guaranteed contracts. And so we're proud of that um, uh, um, performance-based setup that we have. But the way the tour is organized, it is a nonprofit. It's a trade organization. It's a 501c6, um, and so it's a nonprofit. And then most of the tournaments, virtually all the tournaments that we uh, play for, are 501c3s, you know, they're public charities. And so all the uh, net proceeds uh, go to uh, local charities in the communities in which we play. And so while the purse might be um, as high as $10 million and the winner might walk away with more than a million dollars, uh, all the fans who come and buy a ticket or buy a hot dog or buy a shirt, all the net proceeds um, stay within the communities in which we play. And, you know, over the years, this has been a mission um, starting as far back as uh, 1938. So 80 years ago was the first time that a golf tournament was used to raise money. Um, But when you look at the the leadership um, of some of the commissioners that we had, led by um, Dean Beeman in in the mid-'70s, he saw that if we could put this structure in place, that this structure would be uh, appealing to communities in which we play, And then eventually um, title sponsors who are looking to give back and looking for a platform to um, toot their own horn and show what they are doing and giving back. And they're having all this positive impact. And so it's really a win-win for everybody.
0: Well, again, I think this is super impressive, again, how much you are giving away. And you've talked about the structure that you're actually a 501c6 trade organization. Um, Talk a little bit about how do you raise this charity amount At the same time, of course, you pay these pro golfers hundreds of thousands of dollars, sometimes millions of dollars. How does that get broken out? Is there um, only a certain amount of money that goes to the golfers and then the rest goes to charity? Or how does it exactly get split up at the end of the day?
1: So the way we're structured is that um, uh, a title sponsor, uh, for example, in the next couple of weeks on the PGA Tour, as we are in our West Coast swing right now, you'll see like the uh, Genesis Open where we're playing in Los Angeles. Uh, we're playing at Riviera, this great course, and, and um, Genesis um, puts up a lot of money to host the event. And the tournament um, organizer is the Tiger Woods Foundation, and so all the net proceeds, like I said, if you're buying a hot dog or a ticket, uh, after the money that is paid out to the players and paid out to vendors who you know had to build, um, let's say, scaffolding and uh, sky boxes and food for um, all the fans. Um, but once they are paid, what's going to be left over if you have a successful event and we pride ourselves on um, uh, doing well in uh, all the markets in which we play, uh, you know, you can be left with um, as much as, you know, five, ten million dollars sometimes in a, in a given week. And so um, it's something that, you know, attracts volunteers. We couldn't make this work if we didn't have thousands of volunteers working at uh, our individual events so they're working for free and in fact they sign up they have to buy a uniform they're often taking a vacation from their time but the experience for them um, is worth it in that maybe they just love golf or maybe they just want to be outside or maybe uh, they're connecting with uh, other folks in the community or maybe the tournament is connected to a cause that's near and dear to their heart and so these volunteers come and they provide their time and effort and energy, and that helps put on a great tournament and then the net proceeds stay in the community in which we play.
0: Well, I love it. I want to get back to volunteers in, a, in just a bit, because I, that's a very intriguing piece of that too, because obviously for nonprofits, volunteers are the lifeblood of any organization. It sounds like for these tours, you really rely, as you mentioned, on hundreds and hundreds of volunteers every time. Um, so how do you advertise, or do you advertise, when it comes to you know coming to an event, coming to a tournament? Are you actually going to corporate sponsors saying, hey, we'd like you to sponsor this, not just because it's a great tournament, but because We'd like to support X, Y, and Z nonprofit organizations in your community. Like, how does it work on the the um, donor development side, if you will?
1: Well, there's no doubt that we try to sell our platform uh, of the PGA Tour as being with uh, you know these great athletes. And so, uh, whether it's Genesis wants to be associated with Tiger Woods or a different company just wants to be uh, associated with the game of golf and the integrity uh, that our sport uh, lends. Um, so we are outselling uh, these title sponsors, and they use it for a couple of reasons. They um, know that they will be on network television. They'll be like, for example, Farmers Insurance is going to be on uh, CBS. That's our first uh, network telecast. And so uh, they get a number of ad units in that telecast, and uh, they, what is called, spin some ad units into uh, other um, CBS telecasts. And so there's the exposure. So Farmers gets a lot of um, eyeballs. But also, maybe they're trying to um, uh, reward a great uh, client or trying to attract new clients. And so they use the Pro-Am. That is uh, one of the great advantages that the PGA Tour has uh, against other sports. Um, The Pro-Am on a Wednesday uh, where um, these corporate leaders can rub elbows with uh, these great athletes that we have and actually go out and play on the golf course with them. So, you know, yeah, you can play in a pickup basketball, but I doubt you're playing against Michael Jordan in that pickup basketball. That would be truly, uh, unique. Uh, but we do that every week. And so that's one of the cool things. So there's, there's kind of a, a marketing buy, there's a business to business buy, and then, like I said, uh, earlier, these, uh, title sponsors, their corporations, uh, they're going to give back. So why not use the PGA Tour as a platform to get some exposure in giving back, and then they can impact, uh, positively the communities in which they play. Well, that is
0: really interesting. Um, And just think about the sheer amount, $190 million for charitable donations this past year. I mean, that's incredible. Now, I've learned this year that the tour is rethinking its approach to charity this year. For example, you're seeking to stress focusing on the stories behind how individual persons were positively impacted rather than just focusing on the dollars that are raised. So maybe talk about the charitable organizations that you support. Like, how do they get selected? Is there an application process? Or how do you like the charities that you end up giving this money to
1: well uh almost all of these uh tournaments let's pick out the zura classic in new orleans they are uh 501c3s and they're the organization called the host organization is called the four kids foundation they always have these uh, cutesy names and four is f-o-r-e but it's the four kids foundation and um so they are looking for ways to uh give uh, money back to the new orleans community and um uh It's not uncommon for some tournaments to have uh, dozens and dozens of um, uh, folks who have their hands out trying to uh, get some benefits from the tournament, and that's great. Uh, And hopefully that means that they're participating in the tournament. The the PGA Tour only really has a couple of national um, charities. One is uh, something called the Birdies for the Brave, which is a consortium of um, military-based charities, things like – Uh, Canines for Warriors or um, uh, Operation Shower where uh, expectant mothers are uh, treated with uh, some shower, uh, you know, baby shower gifts. Uh, And the other national one is the First Tee, which is a youth development um, uh, program that uses uh, uh, golf to, um, you know, teach kids some life lessons. So those are really the only two national charities that the PGA Tour supports. Uh, usually, there are approximately about 3,000 uh, local charities who are in the mix, and uh, so they are always uh, looking for ways. and They apply to the host organization, and they, there's a process where they need to apply and um, then be interviewed. and um, If they're deemed worthy, then they can um, benefit from the from the PGA Tour. Hey, everybody,
0: Rob here. Thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Show. If this is your first time listening to us, I wanted to make sure you were aware of a whole group of other interviews with fascinating guests that I've previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org, and there you'll find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country, even from different countries, all trying to make their world better. I think you'll really enjoy those interviews. Now, I also want to make sure you knew about a new feature. Um, We want to give you more content, and we'd like to get that information to you. And all you have to do is give us your email. When you go to that website, you can put your email address in that first box you'll see on the front page, and you'll be added to our monthly email update. In addition to some great content, you'll see the latest uh, podcast shows that will be actually sent right to your inbox. And that way, you'll never miss any of the great content on this show. The other thing I'll mention to you is if you have questions or comments or you'd like to be on the show, do not hesitate to email me. I'd love to hear from you. Just do that through our website, my email, rob at ccofpc.org. Well, thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. And yeah, so maybe talk about that because I have a feeling that there's some people listening had no idea the PGA Tour gave so many dollars to great charitable um, you know, institutions and organizations. Um, so is it one of those where you can go to like the website and maybe this seems like a, a strange question, but can you literally go to the PGA Tour website and say, hey, I'd like to apply for the next tournament that comes to my community. Here's our 501c3. Here's our pitch of why you ought to support our charitable organization. Is that how it works? Or do you actually kind of, th- um, when you go to certain um, communities or cities, do you actually kind of kind of solicit people that are potential charitable organizations that you would think about supporting? How does that process work?
1: It's not as simple as just going to um, uh, submit an application on .com. But if you go to PJTour.com, which is the number one uh, website in golf, you will see the PGA Tour schedule, and you can see um, where tournaments are perhaps in your uh, community, in the market uh, where you live. And then you could reach out to uh, the host organization's uh, uh, in those markets and they would definitely help, uh, walk you through the, the, um, the application process. Um, you know, and, and another way is just by volunteering. Uh, the tour will have about a hundred thousand, uh, volunteers in total and so, um, you know, that's, that's another way to get involved and, and maybe, you know, uh, your organization doesn't have to benefit from the money, but maybe there's, uh, ways that you can participate or get, get, Give back um, by donating your time.
0: One thing I just want to mention to my listeners, just to get a scope of how much the PGA Tour has generated in terms of dollars for charitable institutions, the tour has given to date, is what I've gotten from Tom, a to Billion dollars. Get that. Just think about that number. Wrap your head around that number $2.82 billion. I mean, that's a lot of money given to charity. It's pretty outstanding, actually. And I, I just have not heard uh, that they've done this for so long. It sounds like it's a long standing thing, as you said, Tom. So, uh, one other question kind of related to that you know, certainly athletes, certain golf uh, professional athletes, of course, have their personal charities. And I would assume that the PGA Tour, when they do uh, these donations to local charity, they're separate, right? Uh, or, or is there a like does uh, tiger woods for example would he give to a charity and the pga tour match that kind of gift or is it completely separate how would that work with the individual professional golfers themselves
1: well that's one of the amazing things is that the 2.8 uh, million dollars a billion dollars excuse me um doesn't include all the players individual efforts this is just from what the uh, the tour and its tournaments have raised over the years uh and, you know, golf is an amazing vehicle that way. I mean, think about how many um, fundraisers that uh, you see where people are having golf tournaments. Uh, so golf is uh, tremendous that way. Well, what the players do is they um, they normally have their own causes and they have their own fundraising efforts and they all support one another. So that's kind of a, a cool thing. Um, and there are a few tournaments such as the President's Cup and the Ryder Cup. Those are the international team events where the players play for um, – they don't – Play for prize money, but they are given um, uh, a big allotment of um, money, such as $100,000, which they can um, donate to the charity of their choice. And when you talk about the three billion dollars uh, and how we are looking at it, so we're, next year we're going to be approaching three billion, and so that's what got us thinking that maybe we ought to um, rethink how uh, we are talking about charity and dollars, and and we, and we realize that. You know, the, it, it is hard to get your head wrapped around $3 billion. I mean, it's crazy. So we figured that, you know, every number has a name, and then every name has a story. And so we are really concentrating on finding uh these stories, stories of volunteers. I just learned of a tournament where um, a couple, they met as they were each volunteering. They met. Now they, they fell in love. They're getting married, and then they're going to go volunteer at the tournament again. Or it could be um, – um, you know, uh, someone, you know, much serious side story where there was this, uh, veteran who came back and he was really, uh, uh, struggling with post-traumatic stress and he got involved in the Canines for Warriors program and he got a dog and now not only did it kind of, um save his life, he's now, uh, fully vested in the organization and has become a, a trainer himself. So it's fun that we have these stories to tell and we haven't been doing a good enough job of, uh, telling them, so that's really our focus, and that's how we've we've, uh, kind of evolved from using the word charity to impact, because, you know, we have players who visit hospitals. Well, that's not really charity, but they're having a positive impact on on those kids who are there um, or uh, the patients in the hospital, or it could be even the economic impact of uh, an area hosting a tournament. Like John Deere uh, has their corporate headquarters near, um, you know, Moline, the Quad Cities, and Illinois and Iowa, and, you know, when they have the, these tour players coming or CBS coming in and then all the, the rest of the circuit that is the PGA Tour coming in for a week, well, that has that a serious economic impact. And, again, that doesn't um, – that's not really what I'm, I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about the, uh, the, the, the positive impact of the dollars raised and uh, of the time and the effort. Uh, but it just shows you that there's a lot going on uh, and a lot that the PGA Tour has uh, to be proud of. I would
0: agree. And again, for my listeners, I think most people would not know this information. Again, how much you've given, how much you've generated to charity over the last several years. And I love the fact you're using the word impact. We talk a lot about impact on this show, actually. And so that is a great way to focus on that. And because there are so many different benefits, whether economic benefits, as you mentioned, that is an economic impact on these cities to the actual charities that you're supporting. And now you've mentioned volunteers a couple of times, and I'm so glad you have because that is critical. As I mentioned earlier, it's the lifeblood for most nonprofits is volunteers. And you have a ton of volunteers. Again, my guess is a lot of people may not know how many volunteers you utilize. So talk about that. You're a volunteer-focused organization. Um, You mentioned that you rely on more than 100,000 volunteers annually to run your tournaments. That's a lot of volunteers. So uh, talk about the process again. How do people sign up? Is this something they go to the website again? Or do you ask for people in each city? Do you go to the corporate sponsors? How do you generate these volunteers?
1: Well, uh, usually it was just word of mouth. And then the, uh, host organizations would, um, you know, hopefully folks were telling their friends, hey, I had this great time, or maybe it's, uh, the next generation of volunteers that started to volunteer. Like my son is actually a volunteer at the Players Championship, which is right here in our backyard at the PGA Tour headquarters, uh, outside of Jacksonville, Florida. Um, but again, as we're approaching $3 billion, as some of our volunteers are, um, getting a little bit older, we are, uh, rethinking, uh, how do we, um, Recruit and train our volunteers, and so we've been working with the firm to just reimagine the whole um, the whole process. And and we are uh, making a concerted effort to have uh, improved communication with our volunteers, because we know that, uh, like I said, they're taking time off uh, from their jobs. They have to buy a uniform. It's it's an effort. And there are some volunteers because there's so many different jobs to do. You know, you can be a standard bearer and hold the scorecard of while you're walking with the player inside the ropes and, you know, that's really golfy. But there are some people who are out in the parking lot helping to park cars and they never step foot on the golf course. But they know that the tournament is, uh, its efforts are going to good causes and so, you know, it's, it's a way for them to give back in their community. And we know we need to do a better job of uh, recruiting and retaining and, um, and coaching up these volunteers.
0: Well, as I think about uh, what you've done and re- you've recruited lots and lots of volunteers, you've generated all this money to give to charity, um, why do you think you've been so successful? Like what's been the secret of your success for the PGA Tour over now many, many years?
1: That's a good question. I think it um, starts with uh, the leadership that we have. I know on a recent podcast you had with the Harvard Business Review on leadership, it really does start at the top. And, and from uh, from Commissioner Dean Beeman and then uh, Tim Fincham and now Jay Monaghan, they know that um the structure works if in fact we can uh recruit the right volunteers if we can recruit the um the right title sponsors who see the value uh in uh telling our stories and helping us get that out there but it really comes down to uh the people and it and maybe it starts with our players and you know the game of golf has always been about giving back and um it's a game of integrity and, uh, I think that that appeal won't go, uh, away. And while, uh, so many folks are focused on Tiger, there are so many other big names at the top now with, uh, you know, Roy McElroy and Dustin Johnson and Ricky Fowler and uh, Jordan Spieth. And so we feel like we're in a really good spot. And so we continue to build momentum on this. And, you know, it, in 2007 and 8 when we were suffering through some financial, um, issues uh, as a country, Uh, Commissioner Finchin saw it as an opportunity that these corporations, they're still going to give back somehow, but if they do it through the PGA Tour, then we can magnify these efforts and we can uh, help to raise even more money uh, on their behalf. And again, it becomes a win-win.
0: Well, again, my guest today has been Tom Alter. He's the Vice President of Editorial Development for the PGA Tour. Um, Tom, where can people find out a little bit more about your charitable efforts as well as just the PGA Tour itself?
1: Well, I I recommend everyone to, uh, one- they can watch uh, any telecast. We're on the weekend every single weekend. We are either on NBC or CBS from uh, 3 to 6 uh, p.m. Eastern. So, uh, you know, enjoy the telecast, and you'll see lots of messages in there, and in, as well as seeing some of the, the best athletes in the world. Um, but also just go to PGATour.com. And if you're really into it, just go to PGATour.com slash impact. And you'll see uh, a bunch of recent stories, uh, whether they involve a 90-year-old volunteer who's been going to Hawaii um, for the last 20 years and bringing 20 of her friends from Alabama with her to be a volunteer, and that was up uh, last week. Um, Or it could be, you know, all the money that we're raising and – you know, a story behind the individuals who are benefiting from this.
0: Well, it's really impressive. Again, thanks for being on the show. It's I think this is going to be one of those shows that people will be astounded by. Number one, that the PGA Tour actually does this, and then how much money you've generated. Like you said, almost $3 billion. Great work. Keep it up. Thank you, Tom, for being on the show, and thanks for your time today.
1: It was my pleasure, Rob, and keep up the good work, too.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. I wanted to add a new element to this podcast, and for lack of a better term, I'm going to call it bonus content. And the idea is this, that I know I've gotten some great feedback on uh, various issues and topics that people would like me to talk about. And also, all the time, there there's various themes or topics or trends that uh, people are talking about in the nonprofit sector. And so I thought I'd just spend a, a few extra minutes here at the very end of my podcast to address some issues. And so I would say this to all of my listeners, if there's certain topics you like me to cover, if there's certain themes or trends that you'd like me to you know, talk about or, or bring some stats into, uh, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. And, and I would love to add some more data and more bonus content, if you will, at the end of each podcast. All right, so today I'm going to talk about something really relevant to what's going on today, and that's the government shutdown. Uh, we're in the midst of that right now. And I'm going to talk from the Utah perspective because I live in Utah, Park City, Utah. And so uh, this is going to come from the Utah perspective again. I'm also on the board for the Utah Nonprofit Association. And they recently did a survey of 1,700 individuals. Uh, from this various, various UNA member nonprofit organizations. And from all the people they got as respondents back, they found that nearly 10% of the respondents reported that they had seen an increase already in demand for their services from furloughed or unpaid government workers. It could be contractors and just others affected by the shutdown. They also said that 32% of respondents told UNA that it was just a little too soon for them to know and assess the increase in demand for services. But they also found this I thought was very interesting. 55% of these organizations that were represented, uh, received some form of federal funding from the government. Which right now, obviously, that could be in limbo here if that uh, if the government shutdown doesn't end here soon. Another thirty-eight percent received twenty-five percent of their funding from the federal government. Let me say that again. So thirty-eight percent of the respondents received twenty-five percent of their total funding from the federal government. And then 62% are making organizational changes in response to the shutdown. In other words, people are already proactively making changes in light of what's going on with the government shutdown. And then finally, 23% are reducing operating expenses and or postponing activities and events in light of the government shutdown. So I'd love to hear from you. uh, What do you do? What's what's your organization? And how are you being impacted? And how are the people that you're serving being impacted by this government shutdown? I'd be really fascinating to find out what you're learning, what's going on in your world. Um, So yeah, email me. uh, Rob, R-O-B at ccofpc.org. Again, it's Rob, R-O-B at ccofpc.org. Let me know what you're finding out about the government shutdown. How's it impacting you, your organization, the people you serve? Thanks again for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast.